since we had a chance to talk about anything. Uh, so much stuff going on here that we've had a kind of a delay in, in all the stuff going on around us. So, Aaron and Gina, how you guys doing? Good. Great. All right, man. Aaron, what's up, man? How you been? Good. Another day. Another day. Another right. day, another half a nickel. Yeah, well, you're doing better than me. So, things are, things are looking up. <laughs> Gina, how you been? Oh, just great. Just keep it on. How are things on the farm? They're fantastic. In your summertime vacation, obviously, you don't have much going on right, right now, right? Right. Dodging hailstorms. Yeah. Baling hay and checking cows, right? Yeah. Good times. Good times, one and all. All right, dude. So here we are. We're coming into that kind of pre-harvest lull. You know, we kind of it's, well, it's not been much of a lull here of late. We've kind of been fairly busy, but we're just going to start looking at all kinds of equipment now that we didn't look at previously. You're going to fall tilts coming up. You've got obviously harvest coming up here. Corner bean harvest will be knocking on our door here before too long. Um, got some hay stuff still flying around out there. You got about one or two more cuttings of hay left out there. And uh, you know, so now you're going to start looking at all that stuff kind of coming together. What are you seeing happen out there, Aaron? And, and where do you see that kind of heading into the fall? Oh, a lot of combine talk right now. Um, July I had a good run on combines, and that's really ramping up, getting a lot of guys talking about combine leases um, here recently in the last, oh, 10 days, two weeks. That's really ramped up. Um, not much on grain carts to speak of, but I feel like that's less of a travel the world to get a deal piece than a combine, obviously. Right. Um, a little bit with uh, four-wheel drives ramping up, you know, for both fall tillage, grain cart, uh, silage packing. You know, silage is rocking and rolling as you move north. And, um, you know, in, in, in our country here, it's getting almost any day for that. So that's been big. Um, I know, you know, we, we have a few... You know, for instance, we have a few dozer blades every once in a while around here and boatload of calls on them the last week. Um, and, in fact, they're all gone now. But, uh, you know, the, the main things that seem to be moving are, are combines and four-wheel drives, if I was to pick two things. Um, flex drapers on combines. Flex drapers have been pretty darn hot here lately. And I know, you know, through wholesale channels out there, they're crazy hot everywhere. So mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the main things anyway. Yeah. So what are you seeing on corn heads? We've seen like we last couple of years we're kind of hit and miss when you start talking about use, use corn heads and what that whole thing looked like. So, But this year I feel like there's a little more demand uh, for corn heads than I've seen in the past. At least a lot of guys are coming to me and asking me, hey, man, I could use a corn head. I got some guys out here looking for whatever. Um, no, no one's saying I've got something sold, but everyone's saying, hey, I could sure use one. And every salesman always could use something to sell their lot to sell. Right. And, and I get that. Um, but I think we're looking at corn heads now. 
kind of like we've talked about before, not because they have to, but because they want to. And we have a lot of acres on these older corn heads. What are you seeing out there on corn heads, and how's that, how's that unfold for you? You know, I think us as a company, we're doing pretty good on, on 12 row inventory. We have had in the last, there again, 10 days, two weeks, an incredible rush on 16s. Yeah. And that's something, you know, I can remember five years ago, we had one guy that ran a 16, traded it in, and it sat, and it sat, and it sat, and wholesaled it, lost money. Now, I think about 10 days ago, we had, I want to say around three, didn't we? Mm -hmm. No, we had like eight of them couple weeks ago and now we have three okay um i stand corrected <laughs> i i sold one and then traded another one in and you know working with a dealer he's got a he's got a late model one that i'd like to have and he need he'd like to turn it into an older one plus a 12 row and there's there's quite a bit of action out there it seems like oh i was another instance there i was working with a uh dealer on a 616 and we started on a 17 and it sold went to a 16 and it sold went to a 14 and it sold and he threw his hands up he's like i, I don't know what to do right. <laughs> so there's there's been a lot of activity on 16 row corn heads more than i ever thought yeah. um what do you think that's from you think the number of 680 combines that are out there now that, that how that adoption from the 670 to the 680 there's kind of been that rollover to that you think that where that's coming from uh, yeah and from from a national standpoint i don't know if i could necessarily peg it one way or the other i'm sure that's part of it yeah. i know in that dealer's case that guy was changing row sizes and okay. since he was kind of starting from scratch on planters headers all that kind of stuff he wanted the biggest and baddest go big or go home there you go and he uh and i i know within our aor since say since the back back in the 70 series we did very little 98s it was all 97s right and now you know the s has come out and mostly 670s a little more 680s and in fact we're to the point now i think 680s probably are top combine yeah yep once you get away from the fleet business, um, even custom cutters, you know, that I deal with all over the country, there was once upon a time they would not ever dream of a 680, and now they don't want a 670. Right. I want 680s. I want 680s. So Capacity, speed, throughput, all that stuff yeah. really makes a big difference in that, that Class 8 machine versus that Class 7 machine. Right. Definitely. So, Gina, you're, uh, you're kind of the social media director i guess now of 21st century equipment so talk to me a little bit about what you're seeing out there and and what are some of the stuff that you see going on in the, the twitterverse um there's just a lot going on on twitter guys basically talking about how good their crop is looking or how much it got beat up by the weather right yep. <laughs> um it's one or the other it seems like guys really have an awesome crop out there or they you know got beat up by hail here in the just the last 30 days so yeah um but it looks like there's plenty plenty of guys looking for equipment kind of like aaron said it really kind of ramped up here yeah. not too long ago so other than that everybody just seems to be having fun right okay so let's talk about a few extenuating circumstances here 
you know, we're coming out of the downturn, in my opinion. I feel like we've, we've, we've kind of sort of hit the bottom in a, in a little bit of a way, and we're starting to make our way up. We're not anywhere, like we're not out of the basement yet. We're still just taking that, thinking about taking the first step out of the basement, right? So <laughs> we're, we're, we're going way back up. So now... Like it, we're on the couch and we decided that I really want some chips. Yeah, exactly. But they're all the way upstairs. And I got to go upstairs. But it, you at least thought you want those chips. But next to the chips is a nice tub of sour cream and chive dip. <laughs> so you've got some motivation to get up there and get those, right? Okay. Coming from the guy who's on a three-day fast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thinking about food, right? <laughs> but they have a... Uh, so here's what I'm thinking is happening right now. Interest rates are creeping up, and I see a lot more talk about interest rates now than I've ever have, even with the whole thing you're going through, because now they're getting like pretty now they're significant, right? You're starting to see some six percent stuff and some some five and a half percent stuff out there, you know, depending on where you're at. Leases right now, lease rates are seven plus percent, you know, depending on how you fall into the property tax thing and everything oh, yeah. else, you know. Um, but the one thing I will say about the about even on Twitter and even on the other media channels that you listen to, of all the people in the United States right now that should be mad about tariffs and the situations that are coming down, it should be the U.S. former, right? And every one of them so far have said, not anyway, the interviews that I've had anyway, have all said stuff to the fact of, we get it, we understand it, and it's going to make us better, we're going to just ride this out, it's like anything else. The conversations that you see out there... Gino, when you look uh, on, across social media, what are you seeing and what are you hearing? Yeah, I'm hearing the same exact thing. Um, most of the farmers are pretty quiet about it and, you know, they believe in the greater good. Mm-hmm. Um, the people that are making comments on it and trying to make it kind of look bad are people that don't have any idea as to right. what is going on in the farming economy. Right. Um, so, yeah, overall, it seems like everybody's just kind of hanging on and fighting the good fight. Um the other thing, too, that I've noticed is, you know, all these commodity groups that have been fighting for trade, mm-hmm. basically, now they're kind of sitting back and just kind of letting this thing whole roll out, you yeah. know, um, because what they've been trying to get done, Trump did in, you know, six months or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been, I don't want to sit here and say that I am 1,000% on board with with the, his his the way his approach has been, um, President Trump's approach has been to the whole tariff thing because he has done, um, you know, you know, you slap me, I'm gonna punch you type mentality, and and that's, you know, we won't know anything. Here's the thing with the soybean side of the business. This time of the year, it's always the Chinese are buying their stuff from South America. Why? Because they just harvested it, right? So it's ready to go. Our stuff starts coming through February, March, April. That's when those those big Chinese shipments come out. So when that happens in February, and we're still sitting here, and we're starting to see you no, know, the export numbers are coming down. Then we'll have an issue. Um, I don't know that he's going to stop anything, though. I mean, I think he's going to just wait and see and see what happens. And I th- I really believe that the market has kind of settled into the idea of you know what, this is going to be a long term thing. It might be the next president before we get something figured out. You know, I really feel like that when I when I look out there and I read the stuff and I see the stuff that's happening because the whole shock and awe part of uh, when was that? A March, April, when soybeans ran up because we were going to be able to sell more 
more stuff than we could produce when, <clears throat> in, China, in China when they had Yeah, that. I think so in March. And then it ran up real high, and then they lost like two bucks in 24 hours because it backside the other way around. So I don't know. Guys you talk to, Aaron, dealers you talk to, have they all any of them any of them mentioned anything along those lines that, you know, we're having a hard time because of either interest rates talk or tariff talk, commodity talk. I mean, where where do you see that? Have you had that conversation with anybody that's that's showing maybe there could be some residual effects to uh, to what's going on here? Not to the point where, you know, people are outright saying, Well, you know, because of them damn tariffs or whatever, you know, we, we all know that the the farmer, unless it's a have to or need to right now, is kind of in a wait and see. And that being the case, you know, there's a whole lot of wait and see yeah. in in the the machinery side of the world. Yeah. And I think, irregardless if if, if the uh, the tariffs were in place or not, and let's say we had two dollars more on, on soybeans, right? Would it make that much difference? Would someone come in, you know, is that going to cost somebody to come back in and buy something? So if you go from, I haven't even looked to see what it is today. I've got my closing. Oh, down. I I think $2, I think well, so. okay, 20 cents a bushel, not $2 a bushel. Oh, 20 cents a bushel? Yeah. I doubt, I doubt that's going to be a... Well, I guess that would be it. We're, we're off $2 from the high from two month, a month and a half ago. So when it almost twelve, and now it's down to whatever. What is it? Dollar fifty. <laughs> that far off. <laughs> Let's see. My alert tells me that November soybeans are eight dollars and sixty-eight cents on the board. So that's about right, yeah. Because it was almost it was almost eleven bucks. Yeah. So yeah. if you're if yeah. you got a guy on the fence, yeah. At eight and a half. And it jumps two bucks. Yeah, he's gonna come in and buy it. But if it was okay, so that's a, that's a that's a psychological thing, though, right? Today, if if it was still eleven dollars and fifty cents, or ten dollars and fifty cents, or eleven bucks right now, and none of this happened, would would the mindset change? You mean if we were just holding steady? Yeah, at 11 I mean, and a half? no tariff problem, no no issue like that. But we're still at a ten fifty eleven dollar beans. Oh. Yeah, I I don't think I think in the first place if he was if he was contemplating a piece of iron and and it was already eleven bucks I don't think you'd have the fence sitting that you do at eight and a half because he knows yeah. it's there. Oh yeah, he knows it's there, but but you know like like a guy said the other day and you guys know this because we're all on Twitter and everybody and their dog is counting their corn ears. You know, well, I got 400 around and 1,700 long, you know. It's like, I have 7,000 bushel an acre. And there's a a lot of that out there right now. And and I can't remember who said it. Somebody said the other day, as soon as that report came out Friday, that USDA thinks tall beans mean good beans as far as yield, you know, Mm -hmm. which brought me back. We had beans one time that that, uh, driving through the field to check the pivot, you could barely see over the top of them, irrigated beans, mm-hmm. and they were forty bushel. Yeah, like what the hell? Well, what, what a crock! We should 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 have bailed them. It'd be great, hay out there. But no, I mean, I just don't think that 
yeah, back, back to that point, I don't think that that if, be, first of all, beans are a little trickier to know what's there, mm-hmm. you know, than counting 10 ears of corn. Um, they're, they're just a trickier crop. They're not as, what the hell is the word, not as even across the field or what have you type of deal. Right. So you got a little bit of that. Beans, in my history, has always been a more of a, with corn, I can walk out there and see what's there. Right. With beans, unless you're counting every single pod on every single plant in a big area, you just don't really know till they're in the truck. Right. I'm going to always work back to the same thing. Even if even if beans right now were ten fifty or 11 bucks, no one's buying anything unless they have to. <clears throat> Right. And that's, I mean, obviously commodity prices are going to make a big difference in that. Right. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that it doesn't matter what prices are, because it absolutely does. Right. But what I'm saying, though, is guide, all the activity we have right now isn't because of surplus of money. It's because they have a 2013 combine that's got 2,000 separator hours on it, or 1,500 separator hours on it. And normally by this time, over the last five years, they've traded that combine four times. That's that's where that's where that issue is. Well, and that's what I'm talking about because even on the have to not not would like to scenario, there's fence sitting on that. I have to do something because they're eight and a half. Well, you know what they're balancing? They're balancing the fact of okay, I've got a combine that's four years old, probably pretty close to having paid off, one payment left, maybe two, you know. Depending on where they're at, you know. And they're now they're looking at this fact going like, Okay, so the first two years, I just, god dang, you just kind of piecemealed it together and kept it running, right? Now, I'm, I'm out of bailing wire and used up all the duct tape I got, <laughs> right? So now I got to actually go, now they're looking at spending 20 or 30, 40,000 bucks, whatever the number is, that they've got to go out and spend on that combine to make it work, or even the tractor for that matter. I mean, you start looking at four-wheel drives that have been pushing silos for four years, or five years. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about that. You start looking at center pivots, uh, pins, and all those different things that are out there, just that constant going that normally would have been gone through by two or three different owners by now, and it would have been serviced by two or three different owners by now. And I'm not saying the guy that has it isn't servicing what he's got, but he's he's doing just what he has to do, or her, what he has to do <laughs> to make it work. No, that, that's exactly right, and that's like, you know, that's always everybody's biggest question on, on leasing stuff is, well, do I have to rebuild it before I bring it in? I'm like, no, it doesn't have to be brand new, but it can't be, you know, salvage either. My favorite line, it should be what you'd expect for the hours. Right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> always. <laughs> so, you know, I know that's been a lot of it too. You know, not only, not only, uh, just, just like you said, not only delaying the purchase of something else, something better, something newer, but delaying normal repairs that you would do when there's the cash there to throw at it. Right. So, but there's, and, and that's been a big factor in, in, uh, especially, and it always is with combines, even when we have $75 corn is, you know, it's, you take 10 guys and these five are going to rebuild it, run it a year, trade it. And these guys are going to go 
Well, it's it's a toss up. You know, they're just gonna dump it and roll into something else and do it all over again. So. The thing, though, too, that you got to think about, yeah, that guy's been running that same machine for five years or three years or whatever, piecing it together. He's probably already almost done making his payments. And you kind of touched on it a little bit. He's either already paid something else off and has extra money to go towards a payment. But the challenge is now he hasn't traded in five years, so his payment to buy the same machine that he bought five years ago, instead of a $25,000 payment, it might be more like a $30,000 payment or something like that. I think that's a hang-up on a lot of guys right now. They're like, whoa, you know, last time I bought something or upgraded it was this is where my payment was going to be. That's what I'm expecting. And, well, it's not quite the same. Yeah. Just because the technology changes and all that right. kind of stuff. That's and, and that's just it. You, you can sell a heck of a lot of iron off of payments. Oh, that's, that's all this market is mm-hmm. right now. It's right. a totally payment-driven marketplace. Yep. You can talk benefits and features all you want to. And some guys will bite on that because they're going to get some efficiencies or whatever it is. Right. But for the most part, what's my payment? Right. You know? It's it's the days of man. I got this big problem. I got this giant sack of cash. It's just tired <laughs> yeah. of carrying it around. Well, me you know, not only that, but uh, there's a lot of times. I'm surprised it's not more. Honestly, yeah. talking with guys across the country, there's a lot of, you know, yep. I'll send. I'll wire the money. Yeah. Like, really? You yeah. don't want to finance it? No, we'll just pay for it. Yeah. Like, wow. Really? <laughs> yeah. Another thing, too, I've noticed, and, and maybe it's just what I'm seeing or what I'm listening to them say. Maybe I'm, I'm buying this a little more than I probably should, but it seems like a lot of guys, they try to trade in, in 14, and then they try to trade again in 15, and then they're like, okay, I'm just going to. And they checked out of the equipment value marketplace. Right. You know right. I mean? Now they're coming back into to, to price that 17 or that 16 or whatever it is. And they're like, what? And mine's what? And then next thing you know, they're, they're saying, like, I didn't pay this much for my combine when I bought it. Right. And now you want me to give you that much difference. You know? Right. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot of that, that shock factor that comes into that. And you look at what the cost of new equipment, I don't care who it is, what color you are, the price of new equipment is gone through the roof yep. comparatively to what you saw in 2014. And you can argue whether the fact that it's going to... You know, the price of new equipment then drags up the price of used to some extent, yes. But over the last five years, has that been that like it was? Did it keep the same pace that it was the previous five years? No, no absolutely not. So there's going to be, um, you know, used equipment is definitely worth more as a percentage of new than it was in 2012, you know, or 2013, just because of the numbers you're looking at. All that being said, though, you're still asking someone to pay three hundred thousand, three hundred fifty thousand dollars for a used tractor, four draft tractor, right? A used combine, mm-hmm. you know, even some of these row crop tractors. You know, you're looking at two hundred seventy-five, two hundred eighty thousand dollars used high horsepower row crop tractors, um, and then when they bought in twenty twelve, didn't cost that much, right? You know what I mean? So there, there's just you know, again, I, we've talked about it several times in our meetings we've had and then on the show that, you know, there's a there's a paradigm shift happening in the marketplace. And at what point do we start talking about we're, techn- we're a technology company selling iron, not an iron company selling technology. technology. So that's where we're at now. And that's where that, that shock factor is coming into. I mean, 
the new combine, for example. I mean, all the stuff that it can do, setting itself on the go, you know, completely standalone. I mean, when I first saw that, I was like, whatever. I mean, it's it's amazing what oh, it does. I was a believer, hundred percent. Oh, were you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the part that really got me with with the new John Deere combine was being able to pull up the app on your phone yeah. and seeing exactly what that combine is doing. I was like, yeah. holy cow, that's really awesome. Yeah, and it doesn't matter where you mean. You don't have to be in the machine to make yep. to see that. If you're the owner of it and the operator's not working, you can still see what's doing. Yeah, that, I mean, that is seriously really cool. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about now. So, you know, you start looking at all the different things that are out there and all the cool stuff that's coming down the pipe. I mean, yeah, it's going to be more expensive yep. to do that. It will be. I mean, three years from now or four years from now, when that's a, that's a combine that's got 1,500 hours on it, What's what's the new combine going to look like? What's it going to be able to do? Let's mm-hmm. ask this question. Cabless. When that autonomous. <laughs> <laughs> when when that combine has fifteen hundred hours on it, right? Is all that shit going to work? Well, yeah. Why wouldn't it? <laughs> it's not going to quit work. I mean, it's like we we have five year old com a five year old computer. It still works, doesn't it? Barely. Get to run some malware on it every time. Every time it does. Time, it does still work. Yeah, I don't run it in a field of chaff constantly right. either. But what? But what's your? What do you? This is the same equivalent. You want the computer to work that's in the machine. Right. So it'd be just as fun. And I've been to your house, dude. It's almost like running a computer through a chaff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> close. Close. All right. So, on a lighter note. How has all this tariff business affected the lamb and sheep business? Um, not much. Not much at all. <clears throat> not much at all. My uh, hair sheep business is mm-hmm. kind of market specific, and it's a huge. It's it's an ethnic market, mm-hmm. so it's gets bigger every day. Um, the wall would probably have more to do with my <laughs> with the sheep <laughs> business than the uh, than the tariffs would, but. Um, no, it's been good. Sold a sold a uh, trailer load uh, two weeks ago, and topped the market. And from what uh, they got an app, you know, on my phone, I look at market reports, sale barn reports every week, and it was a very nice check. That's exciting. It is exciting. How's the cattle business, Dina? You know? Um, it's pretty good. Yeah. So if you look at any type of cattle charts or anything the market's kind of been trending in an upward trend um which is always good to see on the charts so i'm looking for forward to uh january and selling some calves and yeah. maybe have some money maybe there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see the <clears throat> there's going to be i mean fall calf sales are going to start here pretty quickly and that'll be the telltale sign so yeah <clears throat> the thing with the cattle market though too is like it doesn't always follow the futures market. It's kind of weird like that. So um, even though the charts say one thing, it's all about, you know, what you get at your local sale barn or what your local market is. So It's amazing how much the oil market affects the cattle market. It is, you yeah. I mean? Maybe it's because Texas, oil and cattle both. When one goes up, they both go up, I guess. I don't, well, I don't know. A lot of those, I mean, a lot of the people that well, are Well, it's because they got to tan the hides, see? What's that, <laughs> Texas tea? <laughs> But look at how many of those guys probably own 
pens of cattle, you oh, know, I'm sure, yeah. uh, as a side business. So yeah, there's plenty of there's plenty of guys out there that have oil wells and well, even back home in Kansas, I mean, there's a lot of guys that a lot of oil where I'm from, and there's also they also own a lot of cattle too. So. Well, in, in the Ewing family, you know, right. just yeah. outside of Dallas, mm-hmm. yeah, they got a lot of both. Yeah. <laughs> Until one of them gets shot, you know what happens. Then you then you spend all summer wondering who did it. Who did it? Exactly. <laughs> who shot Jr. <laughs> Little hussy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine why. I mean, I don't know. All right. What else is on your mind? Not probably not enough. <laughs> true. True statement. Or it's either a combination, not enough, or a whole lot of random stuff. Not enough important things. I get a lot of that squirrel. Yeah. That's... Hey, look, the shiny light. <laughs> Aaron can't drive at night because the stars distract him. So <laughs> Don't point a laser pointer at the floor. I'll chase it all night. <laughs> all right. Do you know what's on your mind? Anything else you can think of? I don't think so. All right. Well, if I want to go out and cruise the Internet and maybe try to run one of you two down, Aaron, where would I find you? <laughs> On Twitter, at Aaron Fentail, or get a hold of me on my cell, 308-760-1193. Right on. Gina? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Okay. You can find me at movingironllc.com. Go to my website, check that out. You can also hit me up on Facebook and Twitter at the same handle. Um, you can also send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com. Check out the... Uh, your dealer out there and you want to come to the moving iron summit uh get registered here pretty quick the room block fills up september 1st so you got about oh, a couple weeks to get that done and uh other than that i'd also like to thank dawson tire and will for being a sponsor of this podcast they are the uh premier ag tire and will provider in north america and uh as their slogan goes get a grip so it's good stuff i want to thank those guys for being part of the podcast uh They've been, uh, been real good to me, and I appreciate everything they've done. Um, so, until t- uh, until next time, I'm Casey Seymour. I'm Aaron Fennell. Regina Nardis. Let's go move some iron. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher